welcome to the NFL MVP Momentum Podcast. I am Sam Holcroft, joined alongside Peyton Thompson. Before we begin, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Momentum MVP. Today, we're going to talk about different types of running backs in their like backfields based on running back situations that teams have been having. So the four that we're going to talk about is the workhorse. You know, your Derrick Henry's, Jonathan Taylor's, um, even like some Dalvin Cooks, yep. um, some do-it-all backs. Like you got Austin Eckler, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, yep. uh, Saquon Barkley. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Then you have some situational backs. Now, when, when I mean situational, it's kind of like you're only going to get the ball about 15, 20 times a game maybe. Um, that might be some rushing. That might be some receiving. Um, but you're you're going to get the ball, and when you do, you need to do something with it. Yep, some that's, goal line work, third down in late game situations. Yep, and that's why I would go with um, – that's like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or maybe even a Miles Sanders. Um, and then the last one is uh, multi-man backfield. You know, uh, most notably probably the Browns this yep. year and more last year with uh, Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Free Hunt. Hunt. Yep. So, um, so starting off with the workhorse, what is the biggest pro of having a workhorse? For me, I think the biggest pro of having a workhorse running back is that one the consistency of it you know if you have a guy that's probably top 10 in his respective position at running back and he's a workhorse and he's going to give you 25 to 30 touches ideally a game you know you can count on that guy to give you quality 20 20 touches even if he gets stopped at the line 10 times Um, so you don't really have to worry about you know scheming to a different style of a running back you can kind of focus on your one guy and if he's a top top tier running back he can give you a lot of quality touches with not missing much consistency. There's not many running backs that we've seen in the NFL in the last 10 years that you can hand the ball off to like 30 times a game. Like Derrick Henry is phenomenal and just leading the league in rushing yards like every every year for the yeah. last few years. Yep. And then you got Jonathan Taylor, which if he stayed healthy, he would still be on top. I think another great example um, that a lot of people would know is Adrian Peterson with the Vikings. That's another mm-hmm. great workhorse running back that did it, you know, real real well for a really long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's there's the advantages and, and drawbacks, and I think like the number one thing that you, as far as a weakness of the workhorse running back that you have to recognize is the wear and tear. Um, I know obviously it's going to depend player to player how much they did it in college, how much they did it in the pros, but. You know, you really have to be a special type of athlete to be able to do that for a long period of time. And if, let's say, you know, you're at Ohio State or Alabama running just as much as you do in the NFL for three years before then, you know, how much more do you have left? You know, Derrick Henry's done it for a long time, but people are already starting to talk about his regression on, I think, 28, 29 um, as far as production goes. And there is, you know, statistics that back that up. So I think that's the number one thing you have to recognize when you talk about a workhorse and what might be the drawback of having a workhorse. I think the biggest drawback is the risk of injury because obviously, you know, if you give someone the ball 25, 30 times a game and, you know, that's, I mean, Derrick Henry, I mean, he's huge, huge guy. Yep. Um, but that's the, he still takes a beating. He's still human. Yep. I mean, last year proved that he, he, he got he, injured. I think he broke his leg. Yeah. And he was out he for came, like yeah. two and a half, three months. Yep. And he came and back. 
Yeah, and I mean Jonathan Taylor this year missed a couple games. Yeah, Dalvin Cook has missed games with injuries. Mm-hmm. So the guys that we've brought up, you know, that we classified as workhorses, they all got injured at some point, mm-hmm. and it affected their workload. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest drawback. But then the second thing is, is like when you have a workhorse like that, most of the time you have to rely on them. Yeah. Like if they're not going, your offense is going to falter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then sometimes you get put in a bad p- position like the Tennessee Titans where you don't have the best throwing quarterback like in Ryan Tannehill. Right. And, I mean, last year they were still – they were fortunate enough that their defense played well enough that they still could be the one seed. But if they fell behind in a lot of games, like, they might not have came back. And they're fortunate that they had A.J. Brown. Yeah. If they didn't have A.J. Brown or that stellar defense, then they would not have been the one seed, and they may not have even won that division. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about a workhorse and the kind of offenses that run that style of, of running, it's, you got to think, like, you got to have some other option besides just your running back to be able to go to, either in the air or, you know, if you don't have another running back, maybe a, a tight end. Um, or, a, or a quarterback that's dynamic that can also run and get some run-pass option in there. But if you're one-dimensional, like you said, like the Titans, and you have a workhorse running back, there's only so long you can rely on that to the point where teams are going to be able to scheme up on it. When, you know, On the contrary, let's say you have a, a do-it-all running back that can catch out of the backfield more so, um, you know, you know, block block really effectively for a while, you know, then that's that kind of changes the game a little bit. But if people know that you're going to just run your running back 30 times in a game and kind of just run this vanilla offense, and it makes it easier to scheme, I would say, as well. So you brought up the do-it-all backs. Um, I like do-it-all backs, especially because, um, you know, the league in the last 10, 15 years has transformed into a passing league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield and just run with it, whether it's a design screen that the Bengals like to do with Joe Mixon, or you just do simple check downs, swing outs, yep. like the Chargers do with Eckler. Yeah. It's it's a pick your poison, you know? Yeah. Because it's always nice to have those guys that can catch out of the backfield just because then you have, you have that safe option because you already give the ball to this guy like, you know, half the time. And if you give it out right. to him in open space yep. and says, hey – beat this one guy or if it's zone just find find the find the right lane and then you can get us a first down yep yeah yeah i'd agree with that i think like you mentioned it just adds another dynamic to your offense another facet um yeah i mean if you can run the ball effectively and catch out of the backfield effectively um then i think you make yourself you know double as hard to guard um with that you know it probably comes with some some advantages and drawbacks as far as like okay well you know you're not going to get maybe as much rushing attempts but yeah you're going to get more open field attempts to get get out and run um you know and there's there's different types of do it all backs as well i would say like a eckler is a little bit different than like what a cordell patterson maybe is um you know maybe a little bit more run heavy and but it could also spread out to the receiver position or maybe go a little bit kickoff as well maybe just cordero but Whereas Eckler's going to get a lot of good um, outside zone rushing attempts, but he's also going to get those effective outside passing attempts, and he's going to be able to turn it up and get that open field space. So, yeah, I think, you know, just being able to add that extra element to your offense can really throw defenses off. 
But going to a drawback of this Mm -hmm. is you have to be out there a lot. Because, you know, with a workhorse, if you go into the shotgun because it's third and long, how many times is Derrick Henry out there on third and long? Not not too often. Yeah. Because they're in the shotgun. They might go five wide, you know. Um, But in this situation, you know, if Eckler's not on the field, then you're like, okay, so we don't have to guard the flat as – Right. Like we don't we don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. have someone on him. Yeah, yeah. I would say like, like you're saying, kind of the disguise is not so much on like so like you were saying. If you take Eckler off the field, or let's use a different example. If you take uh, Christian McCaffrey off the field at the 49ers, okay. Let's say you know Debo Samuel is flexed out. I mean, you kind of have that's a whole different kind of thing. But at that point, you know, C-Max not on the field, so you don't got to worry about his his uh, dynamic ability to be able to run the ball or to catch on the back foot. So you can kind of, you know, scale up on guys like Debo and uh, Kittle and whoever else they have. So, you know, like you said, they do have to play a lot. And I think, like, similarly to a workhorse, um, we'll talk about the other backs in a bit, but similar to a workhorse and a do-it-all back, you're going to have to get those touches just the same. So, yeah, your, the injury risk is still there, I would say. Maybe not so much um, because they're not pounding the rock so hard, but they're still getting an open field space where they might get, you know, uh, you know, an ankle issue. One or, bad pass and they get right, lit up. Right, exactly. Concussion issues, so stuff like that. I mean, that can happen whenever, but you know what I mean. So now moving on to the situational backs, mm-hmm. like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, the play, or the teams that are primarily a pass-first team, um, Miles Sanders is a slight exception since he has so much rushing yards, but that's because they've been winning and winning good yeah, in a lot of their positive games. Positive game scripts. So he's getting a lot of touches towards the end of games. But so these situational guys, they're only getting 15 to 20 touches a game, you know, third downs, goal line, mostly chewing clock. What What's nice about having one of these guys? So I think the biggest advantage that we could both agree on, or at least I could say as far as like, a situational back is that when they're on the field, you're pretty much going to get most of their energy, if not all their energy, because, you know, they're not taking up an extra double, you know, I don't know, five, 10, 15 carries to be able to use that energy so they can save their energy situationally when they need to use it the most. Um, uh, You know, I would say a pretty impactful situational game script for a running back like that is when you're on the goal line, you know, let's say two minutes left in the game. If you switch out that back, he's going to give you everything you have so you know you can secure that touchdown versus if you have a workhorse, you know, he might get stopped because he's been running all game and he might be tired at that point. Um, You know, it kind of differs as far as back-to-back. But, yeah, I think when you talk about situational, he can the back is going to give you everything they have because that's the touches that they're going to be given. Yeah, and I like that point. I didn't even think of that just because, like, they're not getting as much action. So they're – they're going to have all that energy saved up in late mm-hmm. game for when you do need to run the ball with them yeah. in like 10 times in the fourth quarter when they probably only touched the ball six times in the first three quarters. Right. Yep, exactly. So, but the biggest drawback is, you know, once you start giving him a lot of carries, you know, maybe he's not like as, as effective. effective. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe like that late game, you know, like we're, hey, we're, we have to give you the ball. We're up two touchdowns, but we need to give you the ball like 10 times a drive, mm-hmm. you know, and to and, finish it off. Really. And they just don't have that experience in really running it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, they hand the ball off, gets four yards. 
and then you know second down you know get stuffed at the line so now it's third and six now you have to throw incomplete pass you gotta punt it away oh defense gave up a four minute touchdown drive five minutes left five yard rush three yard rush third and two let's get this first down and stuffed again yeah, right another three and out yep. and then your defense gives up a touchdown now now you're tied again yep then you've lost all momentum at that point mm-hmm. exactly so yep. i feel like it's very like it's a good thing to have if you trust your running back which i think if you're a situational back teams trust their situational backs um i because th- like i mean philly's a good example they trust miles sanders yeah i mean right. they some people would probably argue uh, of course zeke isn't here he'd probably argue that he's a workhorse yeah but <laughs> if maybe if they weren't winning so much then i don't think that he would be getting as many touches as he does rushing wise yeah and so. yeah i think we can both agree with, with that I would say I don't know if I would necessarily call it a strength or a weakness. Um, it would probably lean more weakness, but I have to ask you: as far as um, contract goes, how much would you be willing to pay a guy that's situational versus a guy that would be a workhorse versus a do-it-all? I, I think when we talk about value, uh, fair market value, uh, as far as free agency, um, not including inflation in the future and salary deals and all that incentives, but when you talk about as far as value on the market, I would say they probably have the lower perspective of the value. Um, yeah, and I think that I feel like players are always going to want more money than what you're offering them. Right. And the easiest way is to you know point out the stats and be Production. like, well, well, you don't get a lot of rushing yards. It's like, well, I don't get the ball a lot. Right. It's like, but but this is what we need you to do. If we pay you. We can't go get a next tier up wide receiver. We can't go get another edge rusher. We can't do this other things. So, and I feel like most situational backs understand their role and are kind of like, okay, I'm helping the team. I'll, I'll get my worth, but I'm not going to settle for under that. Yeah. Where when you have a workhorse and a do it all, honestly, if they want a number, I think you pay it. Yeah, you kind of have to, especially if they're like your whole offense, like Derek or Eckler. The only thing is, is I would give a longer contract. So, like, if Derek Henry was a free agent and I could sign him, whatever, write down a, a number on a piece of paper. I'll pay you that. Um, but I'm only going to give you two or three years right now. Mm-hmm. If it's Austin Eckler or Saquon Barkley, you know, write down a number on a piece of paper. I'll sign you for three to five years yeah just because the, the they could end up honestly derrick henry and eckler could get the same amount of touches you know like next year mm-hmm. and the year after mm-hmm. and uh derrick henry could still have more injuries too right just because of those those the passing open field the style yeah the run. yeah so Right, and then, like you said, it would have to depend on the team scheme, too, and what team they're playing for. If we're talking about re-signing, then, you know, they'd probably be more willing to come back for a little bit less money. But, I mean, it's not like – I don't think that if the Chargers were to ex- – I think they already did extend him. But if they were to extend him, like, tomorrow, I don't think they would be like, we, we don't want to pay you this amount of money. Um, but, yeah, like, I agree with everything you said on that. So now moving on to a multi-man backfield. 
being a Falcons fan, you remember this pretty well yep. with uh, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman. Yes, sir. And, I mean, it worked for them for yeah. the most part. Yeah, it did. I feel like it especially worked really well when both of them could find their own momentum. Um, you know, like, so when Tevin first got there and he was a rookie, he kind of started slow, but Devontae was the guy. But then the next year after that, I think Devontae took a little bit of a step back because uh, I think it was 2015. Took a step back a little bit because of injuries. Tevin started playing really well. And then our Super Bowl years when they both collaborative had a collaborative effort to make a really good backfield that year. Um, you know, and there's – it's – I think the best way to do a committee backfield, if you were to do it, is have one guy that's a power back and one guy, maybe not necessarily power back, but one guy that's a little bit bigger with some a speed. A guy that'll move the pile, then right. a guy that, you and know, gets that, through the hole and he's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you could even have one of those guys be more of a utility back and one guy be more workhorse oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest strength is one, they're both pretty fresh throughout the game, um, and two, unpredictability. You know, when you're scheming, and you can even run both of them on the same field or on the field at the same time at that point. But, um, you know, you can have them come in and out whenever you want. You can have one take the whole drive and kind of use that momentum um, and then have one guy do the next drive. He's fully fresh. Um, So I think there's a lot of positives and strengths to it as far as um, like team building and uh, team chemistry and also just being um, unpredictable um, and keeping your guys healthy and fresh. Yeah. And. I, I like everything you just said, uh, but going to some drawbacks, I feel like, I mean, we were just talking about money. I feel like if you have a both man backfield, like for example, we got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Yes. This year. That, that's probably a better example than the cream hunt and Nick Chubb right now. Yep. Yep. I'd agree. Um, you're, if you end up paying Tony Pollard, what he's worth, you are paying way more than what the Titans are paying for. Derrick Henry, you're paying way more than what the Colts are paying for Jonathan Taylor yep. for this multi-man backfield. Yep. That's money that you could spend and, you know, get another receiver, yeah. get some better O-linemen, yeah. get a better defense. Right. You know, a, a solid, not saying Brett Maher is not a solid kicker, but a better <laughs> kicker. Basically another piece, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. But I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And then also, you know, once one of them goes down with an injury, because injuries happen, if if Zeke goes down and Tony Pollard has to, you know, be the guy, mm-hmm. like especially when he's used to only being, you know, getting like half the touches, now he's getting like he has to get seventy five right. or eighty percent of the touches at, yeah. from the running back position, and that could be put, be putting stress on him because like that's a lot more touches, a lot more contact than he's used to in a week to be a little bit more pressure too as well you know to be positive in the game script you know if you don't play well then your run game is going to kind of be struggling if you're the only guy um i also think it's yeah and it's an interesting point how you said um as far as like changing roles how much that can change um how you think about the game and how you approach the game i think at this point tony pollard is so used to being i don't want to say the second guy but being in a committee backfield where he doesn't have to take all those touches so it's kind of like uh, a good example uh, or comparison, I think, would be if you took a regular six man like Jordan Clarkson and you put him in a starting lineup, he might play, he might have about similar stats, but I don't think he's going to be as comfortable as he has been in his role all his career. I think that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, in like this, this 
portion of it depends on which backfield you have. I think another good committee is what the Packers have going right now with uh, A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. But if you have to pay two running backs like Pollard and Zeke, I don't think that's the best um, utilization of your money at that point, spending big money on two running backs. But as far as like the Packers' backfield, you might not have to do that. Yeah, Aaron Jones is going to get his money and A.J. is going to get paid too. But I don't think he's going to be worth the same market value as a guy like Pollard is, in my opinion. Yeah. And see, then that's why um, right before the trade deadline was the game that Tony Pollard had crazy numbers crazy. and yep, three I, touchdowns. I started him on fantasy. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so and the the trade deadline came around, and I'm like, okay, so who are you trading, Zeke or Pollard? Because mm-hmm. like you now you you got to trade one of them because I feel like there's been I don't want to say rumors, but rumblings of Pollard being the guy mm-hmm. for the past couple years. Yeah. Like last year, Zeke kind of like took us ever since he got paid. He's been taking like a step back. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's a good thing. And a bad thing about having a two man backfield is because like now you have Pollard that can like transition into the guy. Mm -hmm. But then like, once you get rid of Zeke, you know, now you got to, then you, you rely on Pollard. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, then you live and die with it. Yep. Pretty much. And, uh, another thing is, um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, certain formations, you're going to have a certain running back in. You know, like Zeke might be in an all the shotgun. Pollard might be in un, under center. So that's another good thing. Yeah, I would I would probably say there's more advantages than disadvantages, but the disadvantages are kind of um, a little bit murky, I would say, you know. All right, now, PT, which of these four backfield scenarios – are you comfortable having in your team? So I think for me, uh, it would have its ups and downs, a little bit bumpy start maybe, but I think I would do running back by committee. Um, I think having two guys that can give you similar production but have, you know, half the snaps can give you high energy, high effort, um, be fresh, um, not cost you a lot of money on the books, but can also be just as effective as if you had one workhorse. So that's the one I'm going to go with for my team. Gotcha. I I like the t- the committee idea, mm-hmm. but I only like it if it works. Mm-hmm. That's because fair. there's a chance, and I feel like most teams that have to do a committee, it doesn't really work. Yeah. So, like, if you have – both guys have to be at least average. If one of the guys is below average, then – it's probably not going to work out too well. I would say preferably it has to be the staple of your offense. It, you have to be a run first team, first of all. And then second, yeah, like you said, you have to have two above average guys that, you know, don't have the same strengths because I think that's just a waste of, of a personnel at that point. But two guys that can have different facets of games but also give you good production. So, yeah, it would be tough to find. But I think if you could do that and make it a staple of your offense, I think it would be really effective. So I'm actually going to go with the do-it-all back. Yeah, I, I want that'd be a common pick. I want to go with the workhorse, but in this NFL now, you, you have to throw the ball. You have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Fair. And, I mean, it makes it, makes it that much diff- more difficult. And, plus, it makes it a lot easier for, like, your tight ends or slot receivers to get open, too, because if they're running zone – and the linebacker that's towards the middle of the field sees the running back run out there, you know, and like maybe the run, the wide receiver 
on the far side is running a streak. So that zone might not be covered. Mm-hmm. He's got to go out there. Yeah. Now you got the tight end who's doing the five hook or five yard hook or the five yard curl. Yeah. Wide open. Dink it to him. Yeah. As far as unpredictability, I would put it up there with running back by committee just as just as good. Um, I think in the NFL today, there's so many great examples of a do-it-all back that it's hard not to go with it. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it, it, it can definitely scramble the defense just as well as any other scheme can. Yeah. So would you pick – if you were to pick your second choice, what would you choose? It would be a do-it-all back. Do-it-all? Yeah, and then my third would be workhorse, and then fourth is situational, I would think. Yeah, I yep. would do workhorse second just because I would – like, like I said earlier, higher risk of injury, and you'd have to sign him to shorter deals. Yeah, um, fair. Third, I would actually put a situational back. Wow. Just because the the committee, I have little faith in it. Yeah. Because if you look at it, like the Cowboys are doing it good this year. But the only team that has done it in recent memory that actually like really worked was the Atlanta Falcons that went to the Super Bowl. It doesn't have a great track record. So um, it's yeah. – but if you can get it to work, then go ahead. Like uh, if there was another guy to put with Cordero Patterson back there. Yeah. yeah. You know, that that could be like, you know, the next – like on the same level as Cordero. Mm-hmm. Um, like that Falcons team because like you have Mariota who can also run. Yeah. I mean, like, I think Tyler Algier will get there eventually, but he's just not there as a six-round rookie right now. Yeah. But in, I could see it in a couple of years, him being the starter. Yeah. But, yeah, him and Cordell, obviously, there's a skill gap there. Then we got Caleb Hartley, who's a, you know, a practice squad guy, but he can give you good, decent production on 10 touches. That's probably more of a situational back. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I'll admit, there's not a great track record for running by committee, running back by committee, especially in the playoffs. Um, but I think if you can get it to be a stapler offense and get it to work and then also have uh, maybe one, I mean, one for sure alpha receiver, maybe two, if you can afford it to, to stretch out that defense even more then I think that changes the game as well. If you basically, if you just have a, a running back by committee and you don't have any receivers, like kind of the Titans do right now, I know they're a workhorse, but like you see how much they struggle without a number one receiver, you're not going to be able to do anything with any running back you know scheme that's what i think that is true once again don't forget to follow us on twitter at momentum mvp i've been sam holcroft i've been Peyton thompson thanks for listening